This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? I'm Chris Skoll and yes, we all know the sad news now. Quickly Kevin is days unnumbered. Thursday the 16th of May, one final show at the London Palladium. But before that, there is one final series and we're getting them recorded right now and it is going to be a special, special series. We will be going out with a bang. And that new series is just weeks away. So what we thought we'd do between now and then is give you some... Steve Bruce content that's never been heard before on the main feed. In full, here comes chapter one, and we'll have the first few chapters of the first Steve Bruce book, Striker, over the next few weeks until the new series starts. Because, as promised, lots of subscribers have been asking this. Will we be finishing the third Steve Bruce book? And I can reveal on the Quickly Kevin fan club, starting at the very end of this month, we'll be dropping in all the chapters necessary to complete the Steve Bruce murder mystery trilogy, which is really exciting. Matt Ford will be joining us as we finish off the Steve Bruce odyssey that we've been on for so many years. So enjoy this. It's chapter one. And as I record this now, there's just a few tickets left for that last show at the London Palladium on Thursday the 16th of May. The link for tickets is in the description of this episode. We'd love you to be there. We're booking guests for that night and it is going to be spectacular. We're going to go out with a bang. Thursday 16th of May at the London Palladium. Get your tickets now. All right. So here we go, in full, chapter one of Striker. What can I say? Just enjoy this. Shouldn't you be at work? Anderson, off the line by Wegley and turned in by Bruce. As Striker gets the corner in, Bruce, top corner. Bruce arriving and Bruce scoring. Now it's going to be Brian Robson floating in there towards Steve Bruce. And it's in there. Sharp gets another go. Two decoy runs and Steve Bruce scores. So Nigel Spink against Steve Bruce and Bruce wins it and United are ahead. Now you know him better than anybody probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, oh has No.
Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? It's a Steve Bruce Striker Chapter 1 Special Edition. I'm Chris Gold. Joining me, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And the man who is about to pour through 12 to 14 chapters of the worst literary <laughs> work ever created by a, a Premier League I'd say, I'd say your inability to find the word really sums up what we're about to... Uh... <laughs> So, um, you, I'm sure you're aware before, uh, if you have um, subscribed to this, that um, we have covered briefly, it turns out, the Steve Bruce crime trilogy novels. However, we basically, we re-listened to the first episode, and we'd, we, only got, we only talked for about 40 minutes about a book that has so many highlights, and we wanted to revisit it, and then we thought, surely, you know, this is the most popular thing we've ever done. The only way to do it is to revisit it properly, in the fullest possible sense. So, each episode, we'll be going through a chapter. Uh, we are joined by the original reader of the book, Ivo Graham. We'll be going through it chapter by chapter, month by month, until we've done the full trilogy. It is a three-year <laughs> project. <laughs> it's, i just got to say it as well, like... We, when we did that, we were like, we have just burned this entire gold mine to the ground. Yeah. And actually, there is so much in there. And in, in preparation for this episode, I read chapter one. I was like, oh my word, there is so much more in this. Yeah, because Chris and I had never read it. So we were sort of basing it on what you and Ivo had pulled out. Yeah. And, I, and I was cynical. I'll hold my hands up. When Chris said, like, we'll do a chapter at a time, I thought, I oh, will burn through three chapters, like, quickly, no problem. <laughs> Nope. <laughs> I mean, in this episode, we'll find out about Michael writing to a whole football team to get signed postcards back. We would not have had that chat without diving deep into this episode. We will be reading it in full because audiobooks are now the, uh, you know, they're, they're as popular as they've ever been, by which I mean they're more popular than they've ever been. And so we'll be going through it, we'll be reading it, talking about it as we go. If you follow this journey... These books are thousands of pounds. There's one for £6,000 on eBay because it's signed by Steve Bruce. Um, this is the only place where you can hear all of the books in sequence read out with us making snide sides. <laughs> <laughs> but we get a lot of correspondence about Steve Bruce. Where better to cover it than in our Steve Bruce only electronic post bag? I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the electronic post bag. You've got mail. Uh, Ryan Leverton. Now, we were talking about poems in our Zoom live show. He's written a uh, poem about uh, Steve Barnes called Pride of Leddersford. Would you like this poem? Oh, yes, yes. please. Can we have some kind of... Um, well, hear the poem, then you can judge the music afterwards, Michael, <laughs> and consider whether it's worth any... He used to play for Mulcaster, setting the offside trap. The greatest centre-half in England, not to win an England cap. Now he's into management and driving an XJ8. A promotion push and crimes to solve, he has plenty on his plate. Pat Duffy's in the changing room, the poor lad's lying dead. Eddie Carberry the culprit, but Steve Barnes a step ahead. A dead janitor discovered, Barnes' hands begin to clam. A quick sum yielded 50 years. You've had a good spell, Sam. A cash-hungry translator with a blatant coup for power. While Barnes is touring Rio like a letters for Jack Bauer. <laughs> so Lawrence is a wealthy man. The bills are racking up by now. Another OJ at the hotel in a quest to find Cabral. <laughs> a trilogy of capers and nostalgic bonanza. 
It is all an elaborate ruse to name-check Stefan Banzer. If you haven't read the Trinity, then you definitely should. He may be crass, he may be cringe, but he's the pride of Leddersfoot. <laughs> oh, lovely. And Isn't that a lovely start? And it rhymes. That is lovely. Crucial component in any poem for me. <laughs> Absolutely, Chris. Loves a rhyming poem. Has to rhyme. Has to rhyme. Um, now, there's been a lot of debate over whether Steve Bruce wrote the books. We will probably come to a conclusion in three years' time, although I'm coming round to the idea that he did. We've been sent uh, from uh, Neil Sorry a 30-second clip of the uh, Back of the Net Amazon show uh, in which Peter Crouch asks Steve Bruce about his writing career. Would you like to hear the latest from Steve Bruce? Uh, I've been dabbling in the in the book world recently. Wow. Did you realise you've got uh, oh, don't. a couple of strikers? Dear me, dear me. I had this wonderful, weird, wonderful idea a few years ago. And apparently, I mean, at the time, they were an absolute disaster, yeah, really, yeah. I think. But then people got a hold of them, quite enjoyed them, and I don't know where they are now. But that's well, I can tell you, actually. Uh, there's one, striker is going on Amazon for £1,000. Really? Like it's a collector's item. Really? I'll better have a hundred round when I get home and I'll see if I've got a few in the drawer. I couldn't give them away at the time. <laughs> Do you think he wrote them? He did. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Done. Yeah. Case this closed. case is closed. Case closed. Yeah. This case is closed. Okay. Well, one final thing on Steve Bruce. Uh, on a staycation uh, with my wife in the beautiful Western Isles this summer. There I was one sunny day in Stornoway, shopping for black pudding and Harris tweed, when I noticed a sadly closed classic independent sports shop. Not to worry, later reading confirms Sports World and Francis Street shut in March 2020 due to COVID and reopened in new premises. A two-storey building, I look up to see some posters in the window. Much to my utter delight, there he was, Steve Bruce. Two faded mid-90s Steve Bruce posters advertising mitre to make matters even better in a classic 90s turn the posters don't make any sense both are similar in style with ever so slightly jaunty head angle do you know what rather than have them described by the email i'll send you this photo chris and michael so (laughs) this is what he looked up to see in the window look at these we'll put it on our instagram i just want to discuss how this is still there oh wow isn't that amazing they must be from 1992 93 yeah Wow. Steve Bruce in a mitre sweatshirt holding a mitre Ultimax. They're, they're blocking up a window like like it's a kind of squat. Yeah. <laughs> but they must have been there for 25 years. Yes, it's a, post, yeah, a poster of Steve Bruce that's been in a window, single glazed, for over 20 years. It's an amazing image. What a time capsule. It's amazing to think that if the world ended, that would be around for maybe millennia. <laughs> this was August... The 10th, 2020, on the island of Stornoway. That is from James Fowler. That's amazing. He says, P.S., you should really write to the owners and ask for those posters. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, Mitre have got some bang for their buck with that bit of marketing campaign, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder well, that, how much that cost. <laughs> Remember the bloke who put that poster in that window thought that's going to be up there for 20 years, yeah, 25 you know, years. You know when you see like an advert on a tube for the film that's closed like three months ago and you think bloody hell they're struggling to sell that yeah <laughs> this has been there for 25 years without being replaced <laughs> if you want to get in touch with anything steve bruce related this is how get in touch with the show email hello at quicklykevin.com 
Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at QuicklyKevin and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Now, quite simply, here it is. Striker by Steve Bruce, Chapter 1, in full. Hello, Ivo Graham. They say you should never go back. (laughs) (laughs) So I think what this came from was we re-listened to, separately, the first Striker, Striker episode, and I couldn't believe how little we'd said about it. Yeah. How long is it, Michael? That first, it's like, well, over, the, just over the, the episode is under an hour. The entire episode, and, and that's with correspondence with, with Top and Tail, yeah. Under so an hour. There's probably 40-something minutes of this is Striker mad. Chat. Because this is it's mad. the best of the Steve Barnes books. And we we just thought we didn't talk about it enough. I remember my, my sort of one of my most sort of vivid memories of recording, sort of all of them, was of because we were having such a lovely time, and because we were all just desperate to get our favourite, just constantly going, "Oh no, the." just sort of losing a, a, a paragraph which I was yeah. ready to hold up as the definitive bit of Steve Barnes writing. Um, so what we wanted to do is we wanted to... Um, Take a very different approach. Yeah, and revisit all of the books and read them word for word and discuss them with the reverence and detail that they deserve. Yeah. And don't forget, me and Michael have, haven't have read them in full. The yeah. only, like, we've only seen it through your eyes. And I won't have, re- I haven't read Striker, obviously, so obviously. <laughs> 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 I can't speak for Ivo, but I'm going to. We haven't read Striker since... Since 2017 when we read and, it. And it's not likely you're going to pick up a copy. These go for a thousand pounds a pop on mm. eBay. Mm. They're rare. So this is an opportunity, a rare opportunity to really find out what is in these books. Okay, so here we go. This is Striker by Steve Bruce. Bright red blood on the knife blade. The knife in my hand. Duffy's dead body stretched out on the locker room floor. And to cap it all, that's when Carvery opens the door. I didn't do it, I said weakly. <laughs> and England didn't win the World Cup in 66. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's the opening. It's gone big. It started with Mr. Brightside. Yeah. <laughs> it's an absolute thing. Also, I know I must have pointed this out last time, but the moment I said it, it was the same problem. I didn't do it. I said weekly does sound like he said it every week. <laughs> And England didn't win the World Cup in 66, he sneered. Do people who are listening to this know the plot of this book? Can we reference that we know who killed... I, I think if you, a tricky decision. if you haven't listened to the original ones, what the fuck are you doing on Patreon listening to these ones? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, well, the fact that the murderer is mentioned in the third sentence... <laughs> Is absolutely astonishing. At the scene of the crime, (laughs) I put the knife down. Even then it occurred to me that my prints were on the handle. It was half past ten in the morning. What started as just another Monday had suddenly turned (laughs) pear-shaped. I'll give the police a bell, said Carberry. There was a crooked smile on his lips. Eddie Carberry was enjoying this. Duffy was dead. There was blood everywhere, even on my hands. Eddie Carberry was enjoying it all. Do you think that's a good repetition or do you think that is... As you say, I think from a plot perspective, 
he's given us too much. <laughs> but with the benefit of hindsight, yeah. the murderer is enjoying this situation, as you would expect a murderer to do. This was his big chance. Me inside on a charge of murder. Carberry as caretaker manager, a run of good results, and he gets my job, which he has always wanted and expected to get when the last guy got the old heave-ho after the boardroom takeover. That's a Bruceism, isn't it? The old heave-ho. What's interesting there, though, is quite often you will sort of meet what turns out to be the killer in the first scene, but they'll be presented as other, so you won't be aware of their motivations or their motives. (laughs) But Bruce here has literally gone, oh, no, this guy wants to have my job, (laughs) and now I'm being framed for a murder. (laughs) And he's enjoying it. But I think perhaps he's hiding in plain sight. It's like, it's so obviously him yeah. that you go, well, it can't be him. It's a double, triple bluff. It's it, What's interesting about it is a classic Bruceism. Um, <laughs> it's not Dickens. <laughs> but, well, I, I did say to you too earlier that I want to write a GCSE-style paper for our fans. Yeah. And one of the questions would be, using examples from the text, show how Bruce moves effortlessly from... A murder mystery to discussion of football. Yes. As, as, qui- as quickly as possible. <laughs> and I think this is, this is a great example of that because you've got to remember, if I found a dead body with a knife in it, that is a, a defining moment of my life and I'm not worried about my job, how that's going to affect my job prospects. Yeah. How would, what is he doing picking up the knife? If you saw a dead body with a knife next to it, why is your instinct to pick up the murder weapon? Yeah, I suppose it's like a oh, God, I should check if he's all right kind of thing. So does he pull the knife yeah, out sure of the body? The or is it... Like Excalibur. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it doesn't say why he's got the knife in his hand. Yeah. Soon, I was surrounded by members of the club. Nothing much was said. Some of them touched me lightly on the shoulder, letting me know they were in sympathy with me. I smiled weakly. <laughs> it's very weak, isn't it? <laughs> but was unable to utter a single word, either of explanation or in my defence. What I didn't know then was that I was in deep shock. When a manager's top striker is murdered and the manager is found with a weapon in his hand, it's no time to start singing We're on our way to the Premiership. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just say as well? <laughs> I didn't I don't remember that bit. There isn't a single reference to the fact What about Duffy? What about this lad who's dead? <laughs> Can you resuscitate him? Is he breathing? No, it's... Oh, well, he's happy this has yeah, happened. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very weird. It's it's a very strange reaction. But I think that, that goes through the club throughout, really. I mean, I'm no expert medically. Would a single stab wound in the back kill you? I suppose if you got it in the right place. It depends, really. <laughs> like, I suppose if you got it in the lung, stroke, or the heart. Yeah. That's one thing I'm quite happy to trust... Bruce, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, that's, that's all right. I think it, a, a, yeah. a murder has been completed to a satisfactory degree. <laughs> Question everything else, but that's all right. I had quite literally been caught red-handed, and the guy who found me was an implacable enemy. Implic- implacable? Implacable? Implacable. Implacable enemy? I can't believe. I, can't, oh, I feel like I'm suddenly reading a Will Self book. <laughs> who've made a career of scoffing at the writing of Steve Bruce one paragraph into our deeply hubristic read-along have not between us a confident guess at how to pronounce a word he's used. You've got to say he who laughs last. These wings are very much made of wax, guys. (laughs) 
I said to Ivo before this, I said this is either the best or the worst idea we've ever had. <laughs> full refunds available, Patreon guys. <laughs> He's made a fool of us. <laughs> He's absolutely done us. What does implacable mean? <laughs> I don't know what implacable <laughs> means. I'm so sorry, Steve. <laughs> Can we Google it? Pla- How are you spelling that? Unable, am... unable to be appeased or placated. I mean, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Steve. So st- I'm dreading it now. How's <laughs> <laughs> he? He doesn't know that word, does he? I think one of the recurring themes is that you can feel the the sort of the, the copy and the paste function <laughs> when it, when he's when he's doing his long segments about you know the the sort of changing face of the industrial north or whatever it feels like it's just been lifted from a, from a page but that's not to say that that word isn't one he would use in I his love own time. I would absolutely love to be watching match of the day in a few weeks <laughs> and see Bruce is in a press conference and he uses <laughs> he describes Andy Carroll as implacable. <laughs> I think I think I'd better fill in some of the background. Much of this you already know. I was born and brought up in the northeast. My father was a fitter, and my mother a housewife who took a series of home help jobs to make ends meet. We were poor. The whole area was poor in those days. The docks had closed, there was no work, strong men with skills idled their time in betting shops or gossiping down at the social club over half a pint of bitter ale. With kids to care for and hard times for everybody, my parents didn't have much to offer us. I'm not complaining. It wasn't a bad childhood. There was happiness and love in the family. And it was just that we were poor. Um, this That's a nice section. Yeah. I think that's very nice. Have you read his autobiography, Michael? Yeah. Is have, that yeah. pretty close to yeah, his life? Yeah, that's, that's fairly accurate, yeah. yeah. Has he got any brothers or sisters? Uh, I can't remember. Fiona. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, we're running scared now. (laughs) (laughs) The one-two punch of a long word and a sympathetic... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Child has, has, has really shown us up for the smug media wankers we are. Do you know? He's put a semantic reducer on us early doors. We're done. Our heads are gone. He's let us know he's there. Yeah.
We were all soccer mad. Well, there we go. We're back in the game. <laughs> we were all soccer mad. I was no different. From as early as I can remember, I was kicking a ball about. Sometimes it was an old tennis ball, sometimes a football. We all had our heroes. Some from the past, some more recent. Jackie Milburn, Bobby Robson, Jack and Bobby Charlton, Brian Robson, Alan Shearer, Paul Gascoigne. The list goes on and on. What I never guessed, even in my wildest dreams, and like any other soccer crazy boy, I had my share of dreams. What I never guessed was that I'd one day make the top grade. I'd say Paul Gascoigne's a strange choice there because he's he's younger than Steve Bruce. Yeah, and I think also Alan Shearer's a strange yeah, choice yeah. as well. I mean, we, well, he's we, younger than Paul Gascoigne, in yeah. fact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My dad knew I had skills, but he looked on soccer as a chancy way to make a living. In some ways, he was right. He told me to get a trade. Alex Ferguson was a shipyard welder. Get a trade first, Dad told me, and maybe make a bit from football too. He wanted me to be a plumber. That would complement his skills as a fitter. There would be all sorts of jobs we could tackle together. Barns and sons. Fitters and plumbers. You sort of feel almost quite <laughs> sad for the loss of that parallel life, isn't it? <laughs> Barns and sons never existed, of course. But he'd have walked in and there'd have been like... There'd have been a murder no. in the... <laughs> He'd have been fitted up for it. Oh, lovely. Oh, yeah. Um, In the end, it was soccer that claimed all my attention, and it still does. I wanted to be a striker. Maybe every boy does. I like that kind of thing. That's the kind of... um, This stuff about his childhood and stuff, there's some kind of eternal observations about... Well, not not humankind, but certainly eternal observations about what it's like to be a young fan. A young football fan. I saw myself slotting in the winning goal at Wembley against Brazil or Argentina to snatch the World Cup for the country. A PE teacher at school made me change my mind. You're a defender, Steve, he said. You've got the shoulders of an ox, you're tall, and you can move fast. (laughs) I was never just a stopper. That isn't how modern football is played. Defence isn't a matter of booting the ball into the stands. It's about blunting their attack and moving straight onto the offensive. I remember the days when centre-forwards used to lounge about upfield during a period of defence, waiting for a high ball to be delivered to them. That changed, and changed utterly. Nowadays, you'll find Alan Shearer on the goal line, heading clear when the goalkeeper has been left stranded. Never seen that in my never life. Never happened. Nothing. Never happened. No. But, but it's already clear that he idolises the younger man, Alan Shearer. <laughs> so he started putting him in positions he's never actually been. The last line of defence, famously, Alan Shearer, of course. Every member of the side is an attacker and a defender. That is one of the important facets of the modern game. I instill in my squad on the training ground. I don't think Steve Bruce invented total football, which is where this appears to be going. If soccer skills had been the only thing at school, I'd have been a scholar. I yeah. can't. The amount of times he's gone it soccer. I know I we've know, talked about it. But he's, it's, it is annoying. It's, mm. it's, every time you say it, it's like you just imagine Steve Bruce saying that and you can't yeah. hear it. Could I bring attention to an advert we saw, I've seen for Ted Lasso? Yeah. Oh, please. In which the comedian Lloyd Griffith is playing a journalist. Yeah. And I'm not in any way blaming Lloyd Griffith for this because he's, he's not written the line. And he says that Ted Lasso says, you either win or you lose. And he says, no, in England, there's also ties. And it, it really jarred with me. Well, but, but because also, I think he says, the Jason Sudeikis, a sort of American fish out of water character, Ted Lasso says, you know, I'm, I'm here for this team win or lose, and Lloyd Griffith, the impatient journalist in the front row, goes, or tie, and Jason Sudeikis says, 
Oh yeah, or ties. I forgot you have those over here. So you've already got him the joke of him not knowing about English football. Yeah. But even within the joke, he still doesn't know. Yeah, it's a very difficult thing, the soccer, with this. Yeah. Or the other question is, are we not in the game enough? And they actually do call it soccer more than we realise. Why is Soccer Aid called Soccer Aid? Glad Ooh. to get this off my chest, finally. Oh, good question. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, Robbie Williams spent a lot of time in America. Of course. And maybe they were going for more... I bet they were going for an... In, it's UNICEF. So I bet they've tried to um, yeah. sell that to an American Well, market. when Oasis played Blur at five aside in the mid-90s, that was the soccer or soccer six, so it must be six aside. Are we, the, are we the only people that don't call it soccer? Us four <laughs> sit, <laughs> sitting in this room. Is this where we realise? <laughs> so if soccer skills had been the only thing at school, I'd have been a scholar. As it was, PE was my best subject. I managed a good GCSE in English, which is why I can tell you this story now. Oh, hang Whoa, that's... It's something really funky happening there from the perspective of the the author. So Steve Barnes has directly referenced that he this isn't an internal monologue. Yeah, he's, he's writing, writing this, this all down. Yeah, this is so so you can actually picture if you were to make the film of this. Wow. That Steve, you know at the end of Stand by Me. Oh, hold on. Yeah. When when Richard Dreyfus yeah, yeah. is at the typewriter telling the story. Well, let's find out. Perhaps there are other sort of a formal so playfulness is, that we didn't pick up on the first time round. There is a there is a kind of he's breaking the fourth wall a bit. Yeah. I suppose. Or is it the fifth wall cuz he's being Steve Bruce <laughs> reflecting on Steve Barnes. <laughs> I can't wait for Christopher Nolan to adapt this. <laughs> Is it Murder, She Wrote as well? Is it Angela Lansbury pulls the paper out the typewriter? Yeah, at the end, yeah. Yeah. At the end. Well, Sherlock Holmes as well, obviously, is is written by... The stories are written um, by John Watson. John Watson writes them for a magazine, Dr. Watson. So if you read Sherlock Holmes, it's it's written written from from the perspective perspective of Dr. Watson, who is Sherlock Holmes' friend and chronicler. Right. And they'll have discussions where Sherlock Holmes will talk about other Sherlock Holmes stories that you've read and how he doesn't believe Watson did a very good job of portraying him and stuff like that. Right. So so Barnes is really just keeping up that tradition of, of you know, of Conan Doyle. So perhaps he's more literate than we've given him credit for. But also well, a lot of this is in the present tense, isn't it? So he's written chapter one. Mm. Before he knows how this story develops. Because he's no, surprised by the things that happen as the story goes on. Steve Bruce is frequently found in the, in the Newcastle dressing room uh, wowing foreign players with the news that Frankenstein isn't actually the name of the monster. <laughs> it's, it's the name of the creator of the monster. <laughs> your brains are all in your feet, lad, the English teacher told me. I was determined to prove him wrong. That may be why he said it. Teachers have to motivate the kids. It's the same being a manager. Motivation is the name of the game. So I became a defender. I don't remember any teachers at school in English going for the your shit at English approach. (laughs) Stick to PE, mate. (laughs) That was not what... There was no teacher who who motivated the kids by going, you're you're, you're not going to get a C, so uh, good luck. You know your brains? They're in your feet, mate. (laughs) So I became a defender. I was young and strong and knew how to read a game. I played for the school team even when in a junior form. On Saturdays, I turned out for the youth club team. I'd like to think that scouts came along to matches almost by chance and spotted my talents. It wasn't like that. 
My dad was active on my behalf. He got in touch with club scouts and invited them to come along, have a look at what he called this young prospect. <laughs> Such a, a literal description of it. That's in quotes as well. Well, that's, oh, that's true. That, oh, is that parallels true? precisely with his biography yeah yeah, his dad sort of went out and pushed him to people i think scouts or coaches that his dad knew for some reason and was like come take a look at my son come take a look at my son well his dad here he didn't say that the young prospect was his son i think that all of this background i mean we've picked out a few quibbles but i'd say it's generally a lot stronger than the stuff i think steve bruce could write and you get all the Pennine stuff later. He could write a great kind of um, coming of age, kind of coming of age book set in the northeast in the sixties <laughs> or the seventies. Well, it would be set through all the all the references would be throughout time because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you could see Steve Bruce's books turned into one of those um, kitchen sink dramas. <laughs> Steve Steve Bruce Weekly. <laughs> as as luck would have it. I played for teams that did well locally. At the age of 15, I went to St. James's Park for a trial. Playing for Newcastle United was my dream. Me and thousands of others in the northeast. It wasn't to be. I played my heart out, but they didn't make me an offer. I started my professional career at Girlington City. He played for Girlington who? Well, I'd, I'd be interested to, for a discussion of the pronunciation here. So, obviously, he means Gillingham. Yeah, that was his first club. But but Gerlington City, I would always pronounce with with a hard G. It's not Gerlington City, is it? <laughs> it's spelt girl. I mean, no one else has ever had this conversation. I would pronounce Gerlington. <laughs> not a fashionable side, but it was an excellent apprenticeship. Anyway, enough of that. Here I was, at the age of 38, first team coach of Leddersford Town. I'd been in the job for a matter of a couple of months. My first post as a player manager was at Threshfield United. <laughs> Who's that meant to be? Well, who was Steve Bruce's first job as a manager? Was it, it was actually a reference to the law firm Freshfields, who he did an internship <laughs> with as a young man. <laughs> My job was to get the side back into the Premier Division, where everybody in the city said they belonged. There was a major problem, the usual problem, lack of money for new players. That meant a youth policy, and maybe three or four years before I could even claim success. The directors wanted success this season. They wanted the impossible. So, when I was headhunted by Leddersford, and the owner of the club was a millionaire, there was a promise of money for players. I jumped at the opportunity. Who wouldn't? That's an interesting um, defence of... I think I seem to remember when Steve Bruce started out as a manager... He went from club to club quite a lot and got a bit of a bad reputation for jumping into yeah. slightly better situations. Yeah. Mark Hughes. Yeah. But one of the few journeyman managers. Yeah, one of the few journeymen. <laughs> <laughs> but that's almost a defence of his own, the criticism of him, of, of him. And the first kind of tacit reference to Sir Lawrence, millionaire. Well, here he comes. There was a short list of five candidates for the post. I went for the final interview brimming with confidence. I felt sure that I could, if I could impress Sir Lawrence, the owner, he would carry the others with him. And I was right. I went for Pat Duffy right away. I watched him play several times when I was still at Threshfield. He was only 16 years old, and yet he played like a man of more mature years. This boy was a sensation off the, on, on the ball. I reckoned he'd play for the Republic of Ireland before he was 18. That 
adds a, a whole bleaker edge. I hadn't realised before... That he was emotionally invested in him. No, that the murder victim wasn't even an adult. Oh, yeah. So how old is he? He's 16 or 17, probably. And also the fact that Bruce brought him to the club makes him somehow... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'd think you'd be beating... You don't think you'd be bragging in print about bringing him to the club. <laughs> you'd think you'd be, like, beating yourself up about yeah. how you'd had this strange role in what led him to be murdered. Yeah. <laughs> he was the new Ryan Giggs. The Irish Joe Cole. <laughs> yeah, that's something weird about that turn of phrase. Well, I it? don't think Joe Cole's a big enough player. When did this come out again? About 98? No, 1999, 2000. Okay, so it is peak Joe Cole. Yeah. No doubt he'd move to a top Premier Club for a big transfer fee, unless we at Leddersford climb out of the ruck and into the Premier Division ourselves. So this is our rising young star, Sir Lawrence said to me one day. Sir Lawrence Brook. Our chairman and owner. Oh, hello, old friend. <laughs> smell the cigars when you say that. <laughs> he called me off the training ground where we were planning a number of strategies. I was still player manager, and though I didn't turn out for the first team anymore, I sometimes turned out for the reserves and regularly got stuck in with the lads during training sessions. He's a good young prospect, I said, echoing my father's words about me. When will he be ready, said Sir Lawrence. Not for a while yet, I said. He needs to put on some muscle. <laughs> That's a very weird conversation he needs to put on some muscle. about a teenage boy. <laughs> like, like he's a prized cow. Uh, not for a while yet, I said. He needs to put on some muscle. <laughs> he certainly seems to have what it takes already, Sir Lawrence said, smiling with a satisfied assurance of a guy with a million bucks in the bank. <laughs> also, it makes him sound quite predatory. Yeah, he... He feels this is a creepy conversation. Yeah, yeah it's got some it's Epstein, e- vibes. Yeah, Epstein vibes. <laughs> Duffy's playing away and they're watching him run up and down, discussing yeah. whether he's muscly <laughs> enough. Yeah, <laughs> just need to get a few more pounds on him. Just <laughs> <laughs> slobbering on the side of the pitch. So Lawrence. Enjoy himself with a million bucks in the bag. He's <laughs> <laughs> disgusting. He buy off any witnesses. <laughs> Duffy needs to bulk up before they do anything with it. He's not ready, I said. He'd be kicked off the park. They didn't kick John Charles off the park, Sir Lawrence reminded me. John Charles, Leeds United and Wales. Equally brilliant, a striker or central defender. He was as strong as a bull and the brains to go with the strength and skills. At that moment, Duffy hit a high... What's that bit? Such a weird <laughs> a, little... Yeah. Short mini-bio to throw us off the scent. <laughs> if it's all getting a bit too much, we fancy this teenager. Here's a Leeds player to read about. <laughs> it's a strange bit, because he's chosen John Charles, presumably because he's famous enough. Yeah. But then lost confidence in his fame. Do you get the feeling with Steve Bruce writing? He writes and he doesn't have a delete. So when he gets into a position, he has to, he has to get himself out of it rather yeah. than backtrack. I always think he's got one one eye on the word count too. He's yeah. like John Charles. People might not know who John Charles is. I can get a paragraph out. Yeah. I could have done a slightly more famous footballer, but uh, it's down there on the page now. What's done is done. John Charles, the Welsh Joe Cole, he could have said. At that moment, Duffy hit a high volley and the ball rocketed into the back of the net. Even other members of the squad started to clap their hands in appreciation. You don't get that too often during a training session. If I was selecting the team, Sir Lawrence continued, 
in his quiet, carefully modulated English. I think I would be giving him a chance to prove himself, at least for half a match. I heard his words, and I got his message. In his own subtle way, the chairman was telling me about team selection. (laughs) It's smoke and mirrors stuff from Sir Lawrence there. funny he said, I really wanted to impress Sir Lawrence at the interview, because he's never stopped. No. Well, I listened to advice. Only a fool ignores good advice. I listened to those who led us for before me and know the squad better than I know. People like Eddie Carberry. And I talked to the team skipper, Martin Thornton, who's as dependable in defence as the Rock of Gibraltar. (laughs) (laughs) Sir Alex's horse. (laughs) (laughs) I I would 100%. I would put all of my money that Steve Bruce's knowledge of the Rock of Gibraltar comes from Sir Alex having a horse named after. I think that's a lovely tenor phrase. Isn't, that, Bruce, isn't yeah. this around that time that he had the Rock of Gibraltar, Sir Alex Ferguson? Yeah, Because wasn't that with all the controversy about... The it, Irish owners. And, yeah, yeah, Irish yeah. owners. And... I'll even listen to Sir Lawrence Brooke. After all, he's an astute guy. University educated, respected in the business world. He knows about economics, finance, government policies but he doesn't understand soccer in the way players and managers understand the game. So while I'm prepared to listen to the advice from all quarters, I still think the best advice comes from hardened professionals. And even when I've heard the advice, I'm the one to make the final decisions. In that respect, it is lonely being a manager. Oh, so sad. I bought Pat Duffy for a song. He had an agent, his uncle, and he could see that Duffy was a serious prospect, but young Duffy didn't have the track record for the agent to hold out for a very large sum. I couldn't lose. I bought the lad for a song. Hold on. Hold what on, is a song? On. How much is a song? So why is he negotiating the transfer fee with the agent? Oh my God, this is illegal. D- I think it? Duffy played for Threshfield, did he? But, but surely the club dictates the value of the player, not the I think agent. he must mean his wages, mustn't he? Right. He would help us in various ways in our push pr- for promotion. I was realistic. It would take at least a couple of years. Success is rarely purchased overnight. And if we didn't make it into the top flight after a couple of seasons, I could always sell the young player for a big profit. That should please Sir Lawrence Brooke and the accountants. Soccer has always been a business, of course. But now it is very big business, and owners, accountants and shareholders like to see healthy profits. In fact, they insist on profits, and if these are not forthcoming, someone bites the dust. That someone is usually the manager. Think of the players you know who never made it in management. The list is longer than your arm. The weekend had been quiet. We didn't have a game on Saturday, uh, which we will find, obviously, is a theme. It was a Friday <laughs> evening fixture at home, and we won. It had been a scrappy game, and a single goal decided it. What worried me was the fact that our regular striker, Jimmy Lawson, had missed three sitters and a penalty kick. <laughs> Blimey, that's a, that's a nightmare, isn't it? Three sitters and a penalty. In a short term, I'd been with the club. He'd proved that he wasn't in the top class. I needed to look for a better striker. On his day, Jimmy Lawson was good enough for a team in the lower divisions, but he was unreliable in terms of his form. I know full well that Ford can't convert every chance. That isn't the nature of the game, or even life itself. Some poetic stuff, as yeah. ever. I like it when, when he ponders... On the bigger, mm. occasionally, he does actually have more scope than I thought he did. He's a bit more philosophical, isn't he? Yeah. I, I, I think he is up to a point. I think also if you studied just that kind of uh, philosophy over and over again, it's basically saying in sport as in life, 
and then just saying something about sport over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> and we go, yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> but consistency is a quality that a good player needs, and Lawson lacked it. I was quickly to learn the reason why. I tried to lie in for an extra hour Saturday morning. I woke at the usual time at 7 o'clock, tried to get back to sleep, but failed. So I went to the gym, did a bit of work with the small weights, stretched a lot, went on the rowing machine, and altogether spent a pleasant hour exercising. A good shower, a shave, dressed in casual gear, and I was ready for a relaxing weekend. Did I say relaxing? My wife insisted we go shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Can I ask what casual gear you're picturing Steve Bruce in Uh, for his weekend shopping? Manager, uh, SB, tracksuit pants, and some kind of club jumper fleece hoodie, maybe even a gilet if he's feeling fancy. (laughs) I can't picture Steve Bruce in jeans. No. No. When you think of Steve Bruce at a concert or something like that, because he definitely would have been dragged to like Rod Stewart by Mrs. Bruce at yeah. some point. Um, she wanted to go to the Trafford Centre. I tried to dissuade her. My face was too well known, both from the days when I played for Moldcaster United and now as the bright hope of Sir Lawrence Brooke. Complete strangers approach me and talk as if they've known me all my life. I always try to be polite. Public relations is, after all, an important part of the football business. But it gets a bit wearisome after a while. Everybody no matter how high profile they might be, needs a measure of privacy. This Saturday morning was no exception. People came up to me and called me Steve. (laughs) Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, Use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. (laughs) Someone did my autograph. Some wanted to talk about players, and a few even had the cheek to tell me which team to select for the next town game. So you see, Sir Lawrence was not the only one to interfere. He, of course, was always very subtle. (laughs) Two references to him being subtle. He never actually told me to select a certain player, not even young Pat Duffy, 
but insinuations and suggestions, especially from the boss, can be very persuasive. Is this when he said, you need to bring him on for half of the game? <laughs> yeah, it's abs- <laughs> I think he said, oh, if I was the manager, I'd bring him on. Okay, it's yeah. like, that's, if, if your boss came up to you and said... If I were you, I'd print out those documents before lunch. <laughs> and you'd go, the thing about bosses is, you've got to listen out for what they're really saying. Yeah, read between the lines. <laughs> yeah. It's a very subtle way of managing. <laughs> in the afternoon, we went for a run in the country. We took the children with us. I'm always conscious that I don't see as much of the kids as I was like. Travelling across the country to games, a long day in Leddesford the rest of the week. Well, it doesn't leave me much quality time with the family. We drove into the Pennine Hills, parked the car in a small village, a church, a post office, a pub, and went for a walk in the bright sunshine. I could live in a place like this, Susan said. What's wrong with Cheshire? I replied. Nothing. I mean, as a weekend cottage. One day, I said, when we're as rich as Sir Lawrence. Oh. <laughs> a few uh, paragraphs ago, he said, a list as long as... I was like, oh, this is going to be good. And you went... Your arm. It's like, oh. So I'm glad to hear he's getting a bit more fancy. I'd, I, I'd hate to be married to someone who loved their boss as much as this. <laughs> we'll never be that rich, Susan laughed. Not unless you intend to own a multinational chemical company. <laughs> she, it seems like he saved a little bit of the Kool-Aid for her. <laughs> Chemicals, plastics, dyes, a food and drugs division and a small airline, I said. Reeling off the list of areas in which Sir Lawrence Brooke makes his millions. <laughs> what, wow. a, what a vile walk that must have been. <laughs> what a diversified portfolio. Yeah. They wrote. Also, I, d- I d- obviously um, don't want to talk about uh, having two homes as if it's the most natural thing in the world, but they were just talking about a second place in Cheshire. I think that's achievable on a football manager. So it's not like if you want to if you want to get a second place in Cheshire, it's going to have to be a large multinational. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, how many airlines do you own if you want to live here? I also think that Steve Bruce's wife is getting her second home too close to her first. Yeah. <laughs> yes, gonna... I just want to get away thirty miles down the road. Yeah. If only we live there. You shouldn't be able to pop back. <laughs> To get if you forget something, that isn't the way you live in your second home. That is the height of luxury—a second home thirty miles from your first. Essentially, buying up the street, (laughs) Robbie Fowler style. The weekend passed quickly. Monday morning came round all too soon. By eight o'clock, I was on the M62, the Trans Pennine Motorway, heading east from Cheshire. I leave home early because there's always a lot of work to do. I also want to avoid morning traffic. From home to the ground usually takes about 40 minutes. I always arrive at the ground feeling fit and bursting with energy. There are things to do in the office. Julie has my mail sorted. I dictate most of my answers. Julie has good shorthand skills. She's a pleasant young woman. (laughs) Not as young as she once was. Oh, Oh. Oh, no. Oh, Oh, Steve. (laughs) Steve. (laughs) Thank you, Michael. Hold your head in your hands, it gets worse. But she has a good figure. And the blonde <laughs> highlights in her brown hair make her look more attractive. Oh, oh Steve. Steve. <laughs> different time. <laughs> it, not, not different enough. <laughs> She's indispensable when it comes to dealing with my diary and the mailbag. 
I mean, they're not indispensable tasks, <laughs> are they? Like, oh, God, what would I do? <laughs> He's superb at dealing with the mail. <laughs> my diary. She fills She's up got a great hair. body. She's got highlights and she can open a letter. <laughs> I don't know what I'd do without her. <laughs> How big is... It's the, not the, Mark the Owen. Like, how big's the mail bag? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if he's getting, as we know, a lot of stuff coming in from South America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a huge bag of mail every day for Steve Barnes. <laughs> Steve Barnes. Yeah. <laughs> Ju- Julie doesn't need a gym membership when she's lugging that mail bag up the Lettersford stairs every day. No wonder she's kept her figure. <laughs> letters do you think Steve Bruce got at the height of his career? <laughs> That's a question no one's ever I asked. Sent him, I sent him one. <laughs> you sent Steve Bruce that? No way. What? What? How's this only coming up now? This, I, is, this is definitely worth the Patreon fee. <laughs> I, sent, I sent every player from the double winning season a letter. <laughs> every player? To Old Trafford asking for a signed picture. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Eric Cantona. Obviously, it wasn't him sending one back. Dennis Irwin sent one back. Steve Bruce didn't. I think Lee Sharp might have, but they were all wow. um, like print stamp yeah. signed. They weren't all hand hand signed. Except Clayton Blackmore, who actually wrote you a letter. <laughs> <laughs> You've been pen pals ever since. Yeah, hand delivered it. <laughs> what did you say? Eight unreplied letters that you sent from you? That's amazing. Wow. Well, wow. that's, why, that's why he had to get Julie in. Why did you write to them all individually? Why didn't you do this big catch-all? Well, I felt like that would be a bit do cheeky. Reckon, do you reckon there was a moment in the Man United dressing room where they all <laughs> compared notes and realised they weren't special? <laughs> and they all because <laughs> no one's asking Clayton Blackmore for a signed photo. That is something that he would remember. <laughs> And also, oh my god, oh, they've got a fern. They're like, ah. <laughs> Isla White, is it? <laughs> you know, like you know, like in the Vietnam films when the the troops are sort of waiting for the mailbag to come round, and there's always one player who's just like, oh, I missed again. <laughs> Finally, Clayton's like, yes, I got a letter. And then he finds out everyone else got one too. Did you stagger the letters or did you send all 25 out on the same day? I would have given them to my mum. So. They're all care of Alex Ferguson. He <laughs> handed them out in the dressing room. And when the replies came back, were they on the Man United, the postage was the Man United franking machine? Yes, yeah. Was, oh, so they've given it to the reception. They've, they've gone yeah, out. And... I suspect none of those players ever saw the letters. <laughs> I'll have to dig them out. I've got a shoebox somewhere at home in my mum's oh, loft yeah. of all of that stuff. Next time I'm down there. I wonder if, it, if our Patreon listeners have ever sent a letter to a football and got a reply. Yeah. I did a couple of those when it was it was very in vogue. And I was about 15, so it's quite a kind of... I did the apply for the Plymouth manager job. Yeah. Uh, letter and got a reply. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I, sent a, I sent a Match Magazine autograph book to a Swindon Town player um, when I was about nine um, asking if he would get the signatures of everyone on the team and he did and he sent it back oh wow Packed up. I was did. so oh, yeah. lovely. Keith O'Halloran who I I'm afraid to say I strategically picked because I thought it would be better to send it to one of the sort of mid-ranking players <laughs> at the club <laughs> I thought I thought Grazioli will sign it but he's not going to cart it round the dressing <laughs> <Yes>. room <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Halloran does the donkey work on the pitch. He can do it with the mail as well. Did you, did you blow yeah, you'd, some... send, you'd send it to Claude McAlealy at Chelsea, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> did you blow a bit of smoke up his ass in order to yeah. get him? What did you say? You're my favourite player. I would feel mortified if Keith O'Halloran heard this. <laughs> <laughs>
don't think you need to worry. So, Michael, what you should have done is use Clayton Blackmore like a Trojan horse to yeah. get around yeah. the rest. Of- Clayton, I love you, my favourite player. You don't get enough minutes. But then you've got to choose someone that's confident enough to go up to the big cheeses. Maybe like Paul Parker, a fading old elder statesman at that time. Yeah. Do you think you could do it with a club now? If, if you had to yes, send that to one club and one player, what are the chances of us getting that back? I think I'd do Jordan Henderson. He seems like a good guy. Oh, James Milner, maybe? Yeah. <laughs> Shall we send a... Shall we send... An autograph book to James <laughs> Milner? An autograph. I mean, I... you have to remember... This was Swindon in, you know, whatever, <laughs> Division 2. So I think doing it for a Premier League team would be quite... Just, I get, got, um, just getting a letter that wasn't a bill was probably quite a relief. <laughs> All letters receive an answer. Even those... That's an absolute, absolute dagger to Michael's heart. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> Even those who tell me how to choose the side. The fans, the supporters, are the backbone of any club. The supporters of Leddersfield Town have been good to me. Soccer has been good to me. And I'm not about to forget that. Because I get there before the squad, who usually drives straight to the training ground out of town, it was a surprise when I bumped into young Pat Duffy. He was standing in the doorway of one of those VIP suites. You're here bright and early, Pat, I said. Yes, sir, he said, in his reserved and polite way. Pat Duffy was a quiet boy from a village in Southern Ireland. He was always very polite. Looking at him, you'd never guess the sheer weight of football ability in that slim frame. Oh, no. oh my God. Oh, God. Oh, God. This first chapter is obsessed with your, your theory that he couldn't be killed with a stab wound has really fallen on hard times. <laughs> <laughs> his, his pallid little body. <laughs> There's nothing of him. <laughs> Older supporters of the club who could remember compared him to the young Dennis Law. There was no higher praise than that. There was a faraway look in the lad's eyes. What's the trouble, son? I asked. I expected him to say that some girl had jacked him in and he couldn't live without her. (laughs) Girlfriend left you someone more muscly. (laughs) She's run off with Saracen from Gladiators. (laughs) Um, Sure, it's (laughs) nothing, sir, said Pat. His face and the look of fear in his eyes told a different story. Come down to the office, I said, placing an arm on his shoulder. Miss Chance at Boney there, I think. Miss Chance an adjective. <laughs> I have a son not much younger than Pat. If my boy were away from home and in some kind of trouble, I'd expect someone to be looking out for him. I strode off to my office. Pat trailed behind me. There was a reluctance in his steps. Nice, that. Yep. Yeah. His body language spoke volumes. Even the way he sat on the seat across from me, shoulders hunched, eyes wary. I think he means weary. Suggested this was more than girlfriend trouble. So, what's the problem, Pat? I asked. I glanced at my wristwatch. It was well past nine o'clock. He didn't answer. I repeated my question, but in a different form. Like interpretive dance or something. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't tell me the problem, I can't help you. I was used to helping other players, especially young lads who've become rich and vulnerable at a young age. <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh God. rich and vulnerable. <laughs> so grim all of a sudden. I didn't pick up on this the first time around at all. It was part of my duties when I was captain at Mulcaster United. Now as first team coach with Leddersford, this counselling role remains important. He took an envelope from the pocket of his jacket. He usually wears a suit. What, what? Duffy? <laughs> 
The pocket what is that? jacket he usually <laughs> wears. Well, first job, he wants to make an impression. <laughs> That's a, a classic example of what we were saying of Bruce typing himself into a corner. <laughs> 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 he does shit up a jacket. I need to justify this. I'm now picturing as well this tiny boy in this sort of massive suit like David Byrne. <laughs> 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 he's wearing a big brown overcoat it's actually two kids one on the shoulders of the other <laughs> oh right there's a justification actually sorry he usually wears a suit he's very much the country boy on his best behaviour and dressing for the big city <laughs> that's never happened <laughs> he's Just not babe Huddersfield <laughs> no, dis- no disrespect <laughs> <laughs> the streets are paved with gold. <laughs> I opened the envelope and read the letter inside. <laughs> I can't believe he's wearing a suit. You know, you know when you're reading a book and there's then a description and it changes what you've been picturing yeah. for the whole time. It's the Hermione Hermione uh, issue. Um, he opened the envelope and read the letter inside. What I read was a mess of ill-written abuse mixed with threats. I placed the letter back inside the envelope and returned it to Pat. I was going to say, was it was it striker? Was it copy <laughs> Best place for that is the wastebasket, son. But he says he's going to kill me, Duffy said. I laughed out loud. A bloody nutter, I told him. I've had letters like that, especially when I was a skipper at Molcaster. I went to the door and called for Julie. Julie, see that Pat gets a cup of coffee. I winked at her, letting her know there was nothing serious. I, th- I just think he should be taking it more serious. <laughs> also, I'd, it'd be great if we got to know what the letter said as well. Yeah, well, it was it was a, a mass of ill-written abuse. Oh, oh sorry, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, he's killed him twice, pretty much. So he's transferred him <laughs> yeah. to the club he gets murdered at, and he's ignored, told him to ignore <laughs> yeah. threats on his life. He he also has a history of this. I mean, we'll come to this in later books, but the guy who. <laughs> He doesn't take to hospital when he's having some kind of diabetic seizure. <laughs> it's like it, Steve Bruce has committed manslaughter. Steve Barnes, sorry. Yeah. I mean, three times already. <laughs> it's like it's like just lackadaisically going. I told JFK it'd be fine to get an open top car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mentioned in passing to Buddy Holly. Planes are the safest way to fly. <laughs> Look up there at that book depository. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's so... So doesn't give a shit. Um, I'll give you a lift to the training ground, I said. Young Duffy had not yet learned to drive a car. As he went out, head hanging low, as if he'd just missed an important penalty kick, he fished into his pocket and took out the envelope. You keep the letter, sir, he said in his soft brogue. I put a letter in my pocket and thought no more about it right then. Julie closed the door behind them. I checked the time. We were due at the training ground in about 30 minutes. That gave me time to ring my agent in London. My agent works hard on my behalf. Considering the amount of money he creams off the top of everything I earn, he damn well ought to work hard. He's got it for his agent. I'm creaming it off the top. He's a good guy and we have a close relationship based on mutual trust. Doesn't sound like <laughs> yeah, it. Does. You literally just flagged him off. I'd love to know what the split an agent is on. What I really like 
is when I really trust someone and I'm always thinking about how much money they're creaming off the top of. <laughs> the call over, I changed into my tracksuit. Exercise would take Duffy's mind off the foolish letter. For some reason, I did not throw the letter in the waste bin where it belonged, but kept it in my pocket of my suit. I attached no importance to the letter. Like I said, it was from a nutter, some sick loner with nothing better to do than make idle threats. The training ground was five miles from the ground. We could travel there as a group in the bus, but we always go by car. That allows some of the players an extra hour or so in bed. Young men like to sleep on, especially if they've been clubbing the previous night. (laughs) (laughs) He's lost control of the dressing room completely. (laughs) I don't know... Um, we're not picking at the fact that the bus ride is adding an hour onto their morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has Pat Duffy gone out? I asked the girl on reception. She did not know. I expect him to be standing next to my car. He wasn't there. I waited, growing impatient. Though we'd had a good win on Friday evening, there were some important moves I wanted to go through. Strategies practiced on the training ground can be translated into good results. When Duffy did not come after 10 minutes, I was getting angry. Young men or not, potential star or not, he would have to learn who was the boss, and you don't keep the boss waiting. Checked the reception area, I checked the toilets. Finally, I went down to the locker room. The sight that confronted me as I entered was something from which I was totally unprepared. Young Pat Duffy, a striker, was stretched out on the floor in a pool of blood. An involuntary gasp issued from my lips, such an amount of blood I'd never seen before. I have seen gashed legs where muscles have been raked by studs. I've seen blood (laughs) pouring from a guy's nose when it's broken. Nothing had prepared me for this. I was foolish. I went over and pulled the knife from his back. Someone had taken him unawares. That's how it was when Carberry came in. Bright red blood on the knife blade, the knife in my hand. Duffy's dead body stretched out on the locker room floor. I didn't do it, I said weakly. And England didn't win the World Cup in 66, he sneered. (laughs) I put the knife down. Even then it occurred to me that my prints were on the handle. It was half past nine in the morning. What started as just another Monday morning had suddenly turned pear shape. Eddie hitched his backpack onto his right shoulder. (laughs) 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 Unnecessary seashell there. It's the manager's wearing a backpack. Yeah. <laughs> He's just come back from two weeks doing the interrailing. Ra- <laughs> In my head, Carberry's got like a saucepan hanging off it and like a roll. <laughs> a flashlight. <laughs> Carberry's key rings clanked together as he stood over the body. <laughs> Eddie hitched his backpack on his right shoulder. I'll give the police a bell, Carberry said. Chapter ends. So, interestingly, literally, because uh, he, there's a bit, doesn't he repeat the thing? Yeah, that's a really interesting literary uh, yeah. device. I enjoyed that literary device, the repetition of the... I think it works well with, you know, the, the red blood, the knife in my hand. I think the repetition of 
and England didn't win the World Cup in 1966, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the repetition of pear-shaped. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you're sitting on a gag as good as 66, you should do it twice. <laughs> England haven't won the World Cup as many times as Steve Bruce has made a gag about them winning the World Cup in the first <laughs> chapter of his book. That was chapter one of Striker by Steve Bruce, and we now fully believe that to be the case. Next month, yes, we do. we'll be back with chapter two as we continue on this literary odyssey. Steve Barnes, see you later. <laughs> So there you go. That was chapter one of Striker. If you want to get access to all the Steve Bruce books and finish the trilogy, plus get all the extra content we've produced down the years, you can join the Quickly Kevin fan club. It is available at anotherslice.com forward slash Quickly Kevin and on your Apple podcast app. Thursday, 16th of May is the end of Quickly Kevin, the final show at the London Palladium. We'd love you to be there. Have a look in the description of this episode for tickets and we'll see you soon. Robbie Slater, see you later. <laughs>